0: How do you do neighbor! It's Berean spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Now, here's the guys!
1: Welcome to another episode of Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And we've got our whole crew back together. Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, you doing all right today, brother? I am doing all right. Yeah. I'm good. Just, Just fantastic, I bet.
2: Fantastic.
1: <laughs> oh, man. We've got Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Rich, you doing all right, brother? He's muted, apparently. I'm muted. I'm muted.
0: I'm fantastic. I'm always. Well, I'm not always, but I'm good today. Yeah. Well, I, right I, I can find things to gripe about, though, if you want to hear not Are really. you asking? Was that was that what you're trying to do? You want to know if there's anything bothering me? It was a got... yes or
1: no question. And you I'll said no. I'll get
0: back no. to you. <laughs> yeah. I'll get back to you.
1: Man, I'll tell you what. Well, listen, folks, we, we're going to jump into our program today for a, a few reasons. First of all, this is something that I know has been on everyone's mind over the past week and a half. Um, A lot of speculation, a lot of ideas have been thrown out there. I know others have talked about it. You can get on YouTube and all the social media and all the news outlets, and there's a lot of confusion when it comes to what is happening right now overseas in Israel, in, in Palestine, in the West Bank, in Gaza. I, you know, all of this area, these areas where this war is taking place, and there is a war that is going on, no doubt about it. And I've been asked questions over the past couple of weeks, uh, a week and a half, when it comes to, you know, how does this relate to uh, the book of Revelation? What is this when it comes to fulfillment of prophecies? And, and we're going to get into some of that, But first of all, I I want to uh, explain a couple of things. First of all, if you listen much, you're going to hear a lot of old uh, or rather large terms, big words that you're probably not going to hear as much on this program. I'm going to throw them out there and I want you to understand that we are going to be talking about what people refer to as eschatology. We're going to be referring to dispensationalism premillennialism all of these terms that people hear and you know some people use them in a sense of of either wanting to make themselves sound more intelligent or you know sometimes people use these big words it can be pretty intimidating and people think well if they're using those words they must know what they're talking about and and i want to you know point out first of all uh we're going to try and break this down in the simplest of terms right so you know uh, eschatology premillennialism dispensational premillennialism all of these things that people are are throwing out uh, we're going to break it down so that you understand that you know what exactly the scriptures teach and what our viewpoint is and should be as as Christians, right? Because this is something that it, again is on everyone's mind, and there's a lot of error and false teaching that is going on when it comes to this particular subject. So,
0: well, with well, that's that's good. Because what's that? My, my tongue does not go past Thessalonica. Yeah. <laughs> now, and it doesn't even go that far. It's just you know I I mess up Thessalonica quite a bit.
1: Well, the great thing about Thessalonica is that
2: I mess up a it, lot it, of things, but. It,
1: well, it, it has different names and different pronunciations that are all correct. Thessaloniki, for example, and it was changed to Thessalonica. And, and
0: Thessaloniki. Now, isn't that the one in the... Uh, Thessaloniki. Yeah, that that's the one over around Fiji, isn't it? Thessaloniki. <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, man. Or Thessalonica. Wrong? Thessalonica. Thessalonica.
0: That was the Roman one. Thessalonica.
1: So yeah. But again, when it comes to all these terms, first of all, <laughs> Richard, we talk, you hear the term Zionist right now. Zionist is something that's being talked about a lot. There are people getting on social media claiming to be Zionist. And uh, first of all, let's, let's define at the very least that term. What is a Zionist?
0: Okay. Well, Zion in the Bible first came up in the Old Testament, and it was used to describe the city of David. And uh, of course, later it became known you know, to uh, describe all of Jerusalem. But there are those uh, going back in the 1800s that have had a desire to repopulate uh, Palestine with the uh, Israelites. And so that would be somebody that you would refer to anybody who has a desire to reestablish uh the jews in in uh, palestine that would be considered as a zionist and the reason i call palestine not because by today's current borders uh but before they started uh reestablishing the jews you know that was that whole region was known as palestine course you know because of certain agreements you know it's all been split up since then and uh but originally back i guess you call it the ottoman empire It was referred to as palestine i think if you go back to i think the romans started i'm not real sure about that but i, I think it was the romans who started calling it uh palestine don't hold me to that though
1: okay i won't <laughs> but but nevertheless, with so we're we're talking, you know, Zionists are those who believe that uh, even more so than just you know um, if a a religious aspect to it, right? That that Jesus is going to return, or the a Messiah is coming to establish the Jewish kingdom in Jerusalem. They'll have a king sitting on uh, the David's throne and ruling um, at, from Jerusalem
0: that's not a Zionist that right. I ever but uh, that'd right. be a premillennialist that that
1: would be premillennialist
0: yeah
1: right and so you know, people look at these look at this and they're wanting you know this to be a fulfillment of scripture and one of the the reasons or the problems is is a misunderstanding when it comes to what is talked about both in the book of revelation as well as other very clear passages concerning uh, the the nation of of Israel, and it, it, I want to say this very clearly: what is taking place right now in Israel is not n o t not fulfillment of Scripture. It is not fulfillment of of anything in the Book of Revelation. That this is not something that that we look to and say, "Oh, look." God is, you know, getting ready to, you know, fulfill all of these things and set up His kingdom in Jerusalem. That is not what is taking place in Jerusalem right now. In they're in, saying, in they're Israel, saying,
0: they're saying it's a sign of Christ's second coming.
1: But many are, and many are saying it's a sign of 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 the second coming. Which
0: I, I, you don't hear that from the Jews. You're not hearing that from the Muslims. You're hearing that from the premillennialists. That's where you're
1: hearing yeah. that part. Well, yeah, I mean the Jews of course not because they're, you know, uh, premillennialism is a is a um christendom right. type doctrine or teaching that uh you know that has been created by denominationalists um and well and, and so look- yeah, the Jews are not looking, you know, the Jews are looking at the land that they have as being under attack and they're they're fighting back right they, um, right now those the, the Israelis are under attack and they're defending themselves. That's what's yeah. taking place right now.
0: That region has three ideas that greatly affect it. You got the Jews that anyone who studies the Bible should be familiar with uh, you know Jesus was a Jew uh, but going back to the law of Moses, I mean with Moses, got the 10 commandments There's, you have your, your Jewish belief. And then you have the Muslims who believe in the prophet Muhammad and uh, those, both of those hold Jerusalem to be sacred. Yeah. And then in the United States and as well as other places, but especially in the United States, you have things called the evangelicals and a big portion of the evangelicals, which is Christian, not Jews.
1: No, well, they're not Christian. Well,
0: they're, they're considered Christians. Yeah. Uh, they believe in Christ. They propose to believe in Christ. We wouldn't define it that way, but that's the way they define it. But they, uh, they believe in uh, premillennialism where Jesus comes again and he establishes he his throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Yeah. And so you got those three ideas that are playing uh, a heavy influence over what we're seeing right now in Israel. And so uh, the problem in this country is that you have so many pre-millennial preachers, and and it's it's really, it's even on TV. Uh, You got uh, a lot of these guys on what's considered MAGA TV. Uh, You know, you got Steve Bannon, uh, that uh, Beck fella, what's his name?
2: uh Beck. Beck.
0: Beck, yes
2: or Glenn Beck, uh, i'm sorry
0: yeah you got a lot of these guys are pre-millennialist yeah and so they're seeing you know uh, they, they're wanting to shape our politics based on the fact that they they see the truth you know showing that jesus is coming again they got a part in this as well and so yeah. yes you can see there there's a there's three influences that are converging there in Israel and uh, playing a huge role, playing, a, and that's really why there's war.
1: Yeah, and that and that's I mean that's shaped our country's foreign policies, right? Premillennial view, the, the idea that that Israel is still God's chosen people, and that's where Josh, I want you to come in on this because that's been a, a extremely popular view that you know that Israel is God's chosen people. And that, you know, th- this is all in, in view of, of that, right? Because our foreign policy in the U.S. has been shaped by that idea. And, and this isn't trying to discount any, any political or just as a moral uh, obligation to defend someone who, uh, you know, as a nation who... Uh, is under attack, right? Who, who is has so much hate against them that people want to just completely wipe them out? I mean, there is some moral obligation here, but from a religious standpoint, right? When we look at Israel, what does the scriptures actually say about whether or not Israel is God's chosen people today?
2: Well, when we we talk about The chosen people, there's a word that is brought up, um, and that is election. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a hot button issue as well, um, especially in Calvinistic circles. Um, And if you're discussing religion with Calvinism, election is very obviously going to come up. And you particularly see that in surrounding Romans 9 and 10 and 11 and, and chapters like that. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 9 very clearly addresses the election of Israel. Uh, verse 13, um, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Um, God is very clearly saying, I have chosen Jacob to be the vessel uh, through which the Messiah would come. Um, God has elected Jacob for that purpose and and uh, instead of or as opposed to Esau Uh, but there's a couple of things that I think we need to understand about the election of Israel first of all it does uh, it it is part of the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham in Genesis 12 uh, the nation promise the land promise and the seed promise and all of those really tie together and bring us to Jesus Uh, But a couple of things that we need to understand. I think, first of all, God is not partial. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, as Peter begins to speak to Cornelius, he witnesses the Holy Spirit falling upon Cornelius and his household. And he says, I most truly comprehend now that God is not one to show partiality. And what he's witnessing is God... Allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon these Gentiles that he's been sent to preach to. And as you compare that with what Peter says in chapter 11, as he is describing the events of this chapter, he says, You know what? I perceived that God is now granting the Gentiles repentance unto life, just as he did to us at the beginning. And, and so Peter is saying very clearly, based upon what he's seeing, God is not partial. But in verse 35, in every nation, the one who fears him and does righteousness is welcome to him. And so God is not partial. And so when we think about the election of Israel, we cannot see that as God viewing or God offering salvation to Israel and everybody else is left out. That's not what you see in the scriptures. And that's entirely contrary to everything that the Bible teaches. And so, first of all, God's not partial. Secondly, the election of Israel was a preparatory election; it, it was not as far as it was not a, an election to salvation, but it was an election to a purpose, and that purpose was to be the nation or the vessel through which the Messiah would come. And, and you see various things like that. Galatians chapter three: Why then was the law added? Paul says it was a, a la, It was added because of trespasses until the seed should come. Mm -hmm. And he's already established earlier in that chapter, verse 16 and such, that the seed was Christ. And he makes that argument based upon the, the tense of the word. He says seed as to one and not seeds as to many. And that seed is Christ. And so the law was added. The law of Moses was added because of sin until Jesus should come. That ought to tell us something about the law, right? Once the law has come, then we are no longer under the tutor. He makes that conclusion. Yep. So the law had a temporary nature. And if Israel was identified or the identity of Israel was surrounded by the law, uh, if the law was temporary, that should tell us something about the nation. And so when you think about the nation of Israel, when you think about the land of Israel, all of that was given to create a separate and distinct people To produce the Messiah. And and so, what God was doing was kind of creating a boundary around Israel so that they could be this distinct people to trace the lineage of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And, And so, once the Messiah has come, this physical nation has served their purpose. And then, also, the favor of Israel, I think, is also conditional. They were unconditionally part of the promise of Abraham. But their favor in the sight of God was conditioned upon their own faithfulness. Uh, Why was Israel taken captive by the Assyrians? Because they were unfaithful. Why was Judah taken captive by the Babylonians? Because they were unfaithful. And of course, you have a remnant of Judah coming back and and continuing to live in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. But at the end of the day, God had allowed these people to be rejected because of their unfaithfulness. And so we see you know that, that I think that's a, a great understanding, as far as the the election of Israel is concerned. It was merely for the purpose of producing the Messiah, yeah, and it had nothing to do with their salvation apart from everybody else. And so, when we come into the New Testament, uh, you don't see the Jews being the only people that are able to be saved. That's right.
1: It, okay. And 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 that's where I, let's let's get to that point because I think we can spend a lot of time on this to help better understanding. First of all, the the threefold promise to Abraham was fulfilled. Right, they received the land. Jer- Joshua chapter twenty four. Over, I mean, throughout Joshua, you know, chapter twenty two. I think in chapter twenty four, he said, "I have." Fulfilled this promise. You have received the land. I've given it to you. I haven't held any of this back from you. It is yours. That promise was fulfilled. Uh, uh, Unlike many today who say it's not been fulfilled, they're still waiting for it. God said it was fulfilled. Um, So the land promise, the seed promise, it, it was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That, as you pointed out, was done through Christ. But let's go back to Galatians 3. And, and I'll set it up with a few verses in Galatians 3, and then we'll look at some of these other passages that help clarify this. In, in Galatians three twenty six through 29, it, it says there that we are all children of God through f- the faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is, and here's the key. For there is no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave nor free. For we are all, right, as he goes on to, to point out, that if we are Christ, then we are Abrahams. Okay? And, and so if there's no longer Jew or Gentile, and if we are uh, if we are in Christ, if we are Christ, then we are Abrahams and heirs of God joint heirs with Christ. How is that possible? What does that say for the state of Israel when it comes to God's people when it comes to God's chosen and and the point is first of all, salvation is through Christ just being, or claiming to be a Jew or a part of Israel or any 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 nation right being a a, a an American a US citizen that means nothing when it comes to our salvation right cuz salvation is only through Christ regardless of where you come from regardless of heritage regardless of background, regardless of of race, regardless of anything else, it doesn't matter. Only through Christ can we be saved. And Paul made that point concerning the Jews in Romans chapter 10 in the first couple of verses, We he said, I wish they would be saved. What's the implication of that? that? That they're not, just because they're Jews doesn't mean they are saved. Because now God's people, as you pointed out, that elect for a purpose, that purpose was fulfilled in Christ. And now, if you want to be God's chosen, God's elect, God's people, it is through Christ that that, that, that is made possible. And there are several passages that demonstrate that uh the, the markers for Judaism, right? Or the marker, let's say, for being a Jew, right? What was that? What was that marker for being a Jew to to say, look, see here, I am a Hebrew. I am a Jew. It was circumcision. And and so Paul and other writers are going to go through and make it very clear that, you know, what makes one a Jew now? Go ahead, Um, Josh. You
2: know, I think... If we kind of boil down that point that Paul makes there in Galatians three, you know, formerly you had people in the old covenant. People were children of the promise by virtue of their birth. Yeah, they were born into the covenant because they were descendants of Abraham. And you see that even in the New Testament with John eight where Jesus talks to the Jews, you shall know the truth and truth that makes you free. And they're like, oh, we're descendants of Abraham. We're of our father, Abraham. And Jesus is like, well, clearly not, because <laughs> if you were truly of your father, Abraham, you'd believe in me. But you know, Paul's point in Galatians 3 there is, you're not children of the promise on the basis of your physical birth. You're neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither Jew nor Greek. You are children of the promise by virtue of your faith in Jesus and your baptism into Christ ultimately that's the point as paul uh, says at the end of romans chapter 2 you are not a jew who is one outwardly but who is one inwardly and 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 it's it's by virtue of this new birth in verse 29 of galatians 3 if you belong to christ then you are abraham's seed heirs according to the promise and so it's by being attached to christ or by being baptized into christ that you then become a child of the promise that all families of the earth would be blessed. And as an aside as well, all of those promises to Abraham, all three of those promises, ultimately find their fulfillment in Christ. Uh, yeah. You look at the, the nation, it's the children of God, that spiritual nation that Peter describes in 1 Peter 2, 9-10. through 10. Uh, The land promise, ultimately we're looking forward to the promised land of heaven, Abraham looked for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And, of course, all families of the earth are blessed through the seed of Abraham. Jesus has come to provide salvation to every nation.
1: Yeah. And and it's interesting going even further back. You were in John 8 earlier, but go back to John 3. right? Everyone looks at verse 16, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him should not perish, but to have everlasting life. Back up to the very beginning of that chapter of John chapter 3 you've got a Jew a a Pharisee someone who sat on the Sanhedrin council Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and and he you know Jesus tells him hey you know what you want to enter the kingdom you've got to be born again and Nicodemus i mean look at the the surprise in his question like what do, what do you mean born again because look, think about this from the Jewish perspective. From the Jewish perspective, you are born into that right, and Jesus says, "You know what? You're not. You don't have that right now to into the to enter the kingdom. Uh, just as being born as a Jew and being a, 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 a circumcised physically, no, it doesn't work at, anymore. There's a new covenant coming into effect, and you're going to have to be born." again, right And then he explains what that is through water and the spirit, which would be baptism into Christ. which you think about that circumcision, uh, Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 through 13, as Paul writes there in in that particular text, he he points out that there is a circumcision not made with hands. Right? Not a physical circumcision, just as you pointed out, Josh from Romans chapter 2, you know you' not one who's a Jew outwardly but inwardly, because he's talking about circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart, right? It is a a, a uh, an inward attitude and um, receiving and obedience to God through Christ Jesus, which he goes on in Colossians 2. As he describes that circumcision not made with hands, saying that his burial in, in of baptism, wherein through faith in in uh, in Christ, through the power of the operation of God who raised him from the dead, we are raised up with him, and our sins are uh, are forgiven. You know that's the that spiritual circumcision that even the Jews, even Jesus setting that up for Nicodemus you you know you have to be born again and that is through obeying the gospel of Christ Jesus in baptism in order to uh, enter into the kingdom and so that's the circumcision today is a spiritual circumcision not made with hands that brings us into the kingdom of God uh, as Christians right that that is the the elect God has chose us in Christ, Ephesians chapter one. Uh, And so he's calling all to come to him in Christ Jesus. Uh, And so our, our view of this war that is taking place, it's a tragedy. It is unfortunate that there is any people who would be attacked merely for their existence, Hamas, Hezbollah, All of these terrorist organizations—they are wrong. They, you know, they need to repent and turn to Christ. The the Islamic people need to repent and turn from their false religion and come to Christ. But so do the Jews, right? Those the Israel uh, uh, Israelis. Uh, And very quickly, it was my understanding that Israelite is a uh, derogatory term uh, for those who consider themselves to be Israelis today. I know it's used in the scripture, uh, but talking to some, uh, folks from Israel uh, who are Israelis, they, they say Israelite is a derogatory term. Um, Why? so I'm not, I don't know. I don't, uh, just something to throw out there. Richard, mm. you've been kind of quiet.
2: Oh, wonderful.
1: We've I've been, you've just been listening.
0: <laughs> I've been, I've been learning. No, I mean we we basically, I mean we haven't really talked about premillennialism, but we we've, we've been dealing with the Jews, and um,
1: you know well, yeah. I mean, if you want to, I mean, what are, what are the signs? People are looking well, and saying, "Look, it's the I, sign of the times." What did Jesus say about that? I, was I think playing... one of the
2: things to deal with is the throne of David.
1: Well, let's let's talk about the signs, and then we'll deal with the throne. Go ahead,
2: Richard.
0: Well, I, I was I was going to say that uh, uh, you guys are excited today. <laughs> I, I was going to say that you're uh,
2: not excited by Bible study,
0: you know. As far as the Jewish, you know, religion, I mean, the Book of Hebrews. You know, if if someone has questions about the the Jewish religion, and if it's enforced today, uh, read the Book of Hebrews. Uh, that's that's a good book to study, and. You know, one of the things I would point out that, you know, if somebody wants to claim to be a righteous Jew, they have to practice the Jewish religion and they have to do it perfectly, but they're not sacrificing bulls and goats today as, as Moses had commanded. And uh, there's, you know, quite a bit there that, that they're missing out on, but as far as it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, they're in sin, not because they're practicing the Jewish religion, because they're not, as we already discussed, they're not answering to Christ. But, uh, you know, Hebrews 7, 12 through 14, this is a good, and I'm, I'm just throwing this in as, as kind of like a, a coin for somebody to go to. And, and notice what it says, the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertained to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And so that whole section is talking about Jesus being a priest, and he could not have been a priest under the Jewish law because he was not of the tribe of Levi. All the priests had to come from the tribe of Levi, and that's not where Jesus came from. He came from Judah. And so with him being a priest, there had to be a change of the law. And so I'm just throwing that out there as something in the book of Hebrews that you can look to to start seeing that, hey, you know, there is is a difference between the law of Moses and the
1: new covenant.
0: And, you know, the book of Hebrews is just a good place to start.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're, let, let's get to these signs because people are saying, you know, look here, see there, you know, the, here's the signs of the coming, right? Here are the signs that, you know, this is a fulfillment of Scripture, right? Didn't Jesus uh, deal with that very attitude and that mentality specifically?
2: Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you but, know where? Um, that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. Hmm. That it so so that uh, of course Matthew chapter 24 as well as
1: Mark chapter 13. No, yeah. Somehow. But but also when Jesus, you know, was being confronted in Luke, um I am drawing a blank. It's either chapter 17 or chapter 18, but they, they, you know, they talk about the sign of his coming and and Jesus says, right, that the kingdom of God is not of this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that's in John, but the point is that the kingdom is, is spiritual. And he says there in the gospel of Luke, he says that the kingdom doesn't come with observation. It doesn't come saying, see here, look there. It doesn't come with observation. The kingdom of God is within you. And so it is a spiritual kingdom that he came to establish and set up. And so we're not to be looking at signs. Going back to Matthew 24 that you were referencing, Josh, you know, Jesus pointed out that there will always be wars and rumors of wars, right? There's always going to be these earthquakes. There's always going to be these storms. There's always going to be these tragedies that take place and, and people are going to look at these things and they're going to try and point out that these are signs and Jesus is saying no these are not signs of anything concerning the kingdom that's not what this is about and and so with that unless you guys have something else you want to say on the signs let's go to the throne because that you know when people look at these signs Usually, that's what they're pointing to is they're saying, Look at all these signs, and so now let's point to the throne of David.
0: Well, I, Acts chapter one, when Jesus was ascending, even his disciples, you know, at that point, even they still thought that the Lord was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. So there was a misunderstanding even at that point. But remember, Jesus came to build his church. By the end of Acts chapter two, after the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles and they had an understanding of this, now they preached the gospel, and then we see that the Lord was adding to His church uh, by the end of Acts chapter two, and that's what Jesus came to build was His church, and but this earthly kingdom that was just based on a misunderstanding that uh I, you know that the the, the Jews had held on to like grim reaper, because especially during a time of Roman oppression, when they had control over their land.
1: Yeah.
2: I do think as well, as far as the signs are concerned, Matthew 24 does deal with signs, but I think we need to understand that the signs that are described are regarding the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Right. Yeah. Specifically which, in that time, which is God's judgment against the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, the signs there are not referring to the coming of Jesus. Well, except, I mean, yes, the coming of Jesus and judgment against Jerusalem, but not the coming of Christ that we're all looking forward to. Uh, That's, you know, I I think there is that shift there in verse 36 of that day and hour. No one knows. And so there's not going to be a sign there. As Jesus says, it comes as a thief in the night. The thief's not going to knock on your door and say, hey, on June 27th, I'm going to break into your house at 3 a.m that'd be nice because you know, you'd know you be standing there with your you know, defense weapon or whatever. But regardless, you know, the signs are not going to be there.
0: Now we did a, a complete show on Matthew 24 and, uh, it's important for the listener to understand, go back to verse three, look what the disciples asked Jesus. It says, uh, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Uh and so uh there's two things there that he would they were bringing up of course he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem
1: well yeah they looked at it as one and the same right but they didn't you, understand it that's right that's right they yeah. sure didn't yeah yeah so um. so let's look at this throne aspect because going all the way back to the prophet jeremiah for example um you know the the throne of david is is something that there's a very specific prophecy concerning this throne, and I think it's important for us to look at if we're going to understand whether or not this is a, a what is happening today is a sign that Jesus is coming to establish a kingdom and sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's covered in Isaiah nine six uh nine six and seven well that was the promise through isaiah unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment with justice from henceforth, even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of Hosts, will perform this. And and various places it talks about, you know, the throne of David. Okay, but, uh, it's fulfilled. We can see that uh, that's this was the first gospel sermon that I can see after Christ ascended, and that's in Acts chapter two. And uh, if you read about it, he starts off. Peter did, men and brethren. Acts two twenty nine. Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us this day. And then he goes on to say uh, that he was talking about Jesus being the one that would be sitting on this throne, not David. Uh, but it was Jesus who was going to be sitting upon the throne of David. And um, and so he explains that there in, in, Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 2 down to verse 36. Yeah. Uh, when he summed it up, let all the house of Israel know surely that God made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So, yeah, So, so that's, that's what you're looking for.
1: No, it's not. But I'm well, glad yeah. you went there because that shows us a difference. Because in if you just look at Isaiah, the Old Testament being that mystery, right, things kind of in a shadow of things, that it was kind of veiled. And now Peter's pulling that veil back in the new covenant and saying, this is a spiritual fulfillment of what many were looking for as a physical fulfillment. And, but if you go to Jeremiah that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. we have a a specific prophecy that says this cannot be a physical fulfillment. Sure. Go ahead, Josh.
2: And, and, Really, I think you've got to start in 2 Samuel 7, where David has the idea that he wants to build the house for God, and God's like, uh, did I ask for that? Yeah. And God says, actually, I'm going to build you a house. And he makes that problem, promise to Abraham or David that I'm going to establish your throne, and your descendant will continue to sit on your throne forever. And that's where the whole issue comes from, because they assume and, and, you know, D- Richard's right. Jesus is sitting on the throne right now, albeit in heaven. But they assume that since the descendant of David is supposed to reign on the throne, Jesus is going to come back and reign on the throne in Jerusalem. Uh, but to what uh, Chris, that guy, uh, was pointing out in Jeremiah, if you look at the nation of Judah, I've got a timeline up in front of, on top of my head here. Okay, uh, The nation of Judah, the descendant or the kings of Judah were all descendant of David. Uh, it was the son of you know, Solomon, Rehoboam, I Asa. You know, it was the son uh, continuing the lineage of David until you get to Jehoiachin, and that would be recorded in Second Kings twenty-four. And, and you're going to find different names for him: Jehoiachin, Jeconiah, Coniah. I don't know why they don't just stick with one name. Yeah, uh, but it's. Several names referring to the same person. But in Jeremiah 22, uh, beginning in verse 28, is this man, Coniah, a despised shattered jar? That's the Jeconiah or Jehoiachin that you read about. Uh, Or is he an undesirable vessel? Why have he and his seed been hurled out and cast into a land that they had not known? O land, 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 hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, Write this man down childless. A man will not succeed in his days, for no man of his seed will succeed sitting on the throne of David or ruling again in Judah. And so I think part of the significance of that is it's when it says, Write this man down childless, he had children. He had sons. But as far as his royal lineage, he would be childless. And so Jeremiah specifically says, that in fact, God specifically says, no child or descendant of Coniah would sit on the throne of David in Judah and prosper. And so, tying into what what, uh, uh, Richard was saying, Jesus is reigning right now on the throne of David in heaven. Not in Jerusalem, in heaven. And I think... Another critical prophecy that we need to look at really quickly is Daniel chapter seven. You're probably familiar with Daniel chapter two, where in the days of these kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Uh, That's the Roman Empire, and either that happened or it didn't. You know, um, but it says in Daniel 7 and verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man. Was coming and he came up to the Ancient of Days. There's a critical piece of information there. Yeah. With the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man, I think we're talking about Jesus here. Where's he going to? He came up to the Ancient of Days. He's not coming from the Ancient of Days, he's going to the Ancient of Days. You know, when that was fulfilled, Acts chapter one, just as uh, Richard just pointed out the ascension of Jesus. That's what Daniel 7.13 is referring to, is the ascension of Jesus. Notice what it says, though, in verse 14. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every tongue might serve him. What Daniel is telling us is that when the Son of Man ascends into heaven, he will be given glory, dominion, and a kingdom. And that's why Paul tells us in First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen that Jesus reigns and he must continue to reign until all of enemies are set under his feet, because yeah. he is reigning as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords,
1: and and that all ties together with you know as Richard brought up Isaiah. Um, where you know the 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 government will be upon his shoulders. I mean, that's that dominion, that kingdom that he received—a spiritual kingdom where he sits at the right hand of God on the throne of David. And and to tie it also together from Jeremiah 22, you know, Coniah. When you look at the birth of Christ, the very beginning of the Gospels in Matthew and Luke's accounts. When you look at the lineage of Christ, what you find is Coniah specifically mentioned. Jesus was a descendant of Coniah, and Jeremiah, either he was a prophet of God and everything he said was right, or he was a false prophet and everything he said was wrong. Well, we believe that he was right, and he said that no descendant would sit um, you know, in Jerusalem. On the throne of david it's not going to happen it's not going to be a physical kingdom right it it has been fulfilled spiritually through christ in heaven and and so we're not waiting for something to take place in jerusalem or in israel uh to be fulfilled physically the kingdom of god has been established and, and i'll 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 kind of close my thoughts real quick with this up through the end of chapter one of the book of Acts, the term kingdom and church are always used in um, future tense. It's going to happen. It's coming from Acts chapter two through the end of revelation. It's always used in present tense. It's here. We're a part of it, the church and the kingdom. Uh, And so, um, yeah, that's that's important for us to note in Scripture to have an understanding of where we should be in our view of what is taking place. It is tragic that you know it's unfortunate, and I hope the war ends soon. And I hope that the you know these these children that are being slaughtered by terrorists will come to an end. It'll stop. Uh, it needs to stop. And and regardless of who you look at whether here in the US or any other country in the Middle East salvation is through Christ Jesus. There there is no hope in being a Jew. It is only through Christ. There is no hope in being Islamic. It is only through Christ that we can have hope of eternal life in the glories of heaven. Richard, last thoughts? Well, uh
0: John 539, Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are that which testifies of me. And then Luke 24, 27, uh, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so he was talking about the Old Testament. And so anyone who is uh, Jewish, who's listening to this show, uh, you, you really need to look at those, your own scriptures. And even if you're Muslim, I mean, the Muslims consider the Old Testament part of the Quran. I mean, that's they see all those things as part of their scriptures. So look at those things and ask yourself, you know, when you look at the scriptures, if Jesus is not the Christ, and if, Christ, if Jesus is the Christ according to the Old Testament, then uh, what are you fighting about? And then, of course, we got the premillennialists who are just completely off. Uh, and, you know, that's they, you know, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother issue. We probably ought to do a whole show on that.
1: Probably. Josh, yeah. last thoughts?
2: I mean, I agree with you that it is unfortunate seeing war take place, especially when innocent people are being uh, brutally murdered. But uh, that's what sin does. Out, what's that?
0: This is what sin does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the result of sin. But as you pointed out, Chris, in Luke 17, 20 and 21, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, but it's within you. Uh, Jesus' intention is not to reign on the physical throne in Jerusalem. His intention is to reign within the hearts and lives of his people. Yeah, And, And he's doing that now, and he will continue to do that. And our job is to submit ourselves to our king, and to you know, faithfully serve him in his kingdom, and we strive to do that each and every day.
1: Amen. Yep, folks, I, we've hopefully given you some things to at least consider and think about, and spurred you on to study the scriptures even further to have a better understanding of this. Be extremely careful, so you know, don't take the Book of Revelation out of its context and and out of the context of the rest of the scripture it fits in with everything else that we've been talking about and when we look at you know the, the idea of galatians 3 that there's no longer Jew or Gentile the idea is that we are all abrahams if we are Christ then we are heirs of god he's calling everyone Jew and Gentile alike to come to the knowledge of Christ and submit yourself in humble obedience and that's what our plea is for everyone to do. And if we would, it would eliminate all of these issues, all of these problems, all these battles, all these wars. But unfortunately, as Richard pointed out, that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God and turns us away from his knowledge and his understanding. Uh, but it is our prayer and our hope that folks will turn back to him and turn to Christ uh, and and study the new covenant. And if you want help with that, shoot us an email, bereanspirits at gmail.com. Until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirits.
0: Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean Spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at Koreanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.